Welcome to Art for Conversations, a podcast about arts and cultural management. I'm Anita Latham. And I'm Katrina Ingram. We interview leaders who help shape the world of arts and culture, sharing their stories, their insights and observations. This season has been brought to you with the support of McEwen University and the Rosé Foundation. Welcome to Artful Conversations. I'm your host, Anita Latham. Today, I'm speaking with Carolyn Jarvis from the John and Maggie Mitchell Gallery at McEwen University. Carolyn is the founding director, curator of the John and Maggie Mitchell Gallery. She has been over a decade engaged in cultural work focused on curatorial practice, equity and community building. As an art writer and, and critic. Her work has been published nationally, including in the Canadian Arts and Cultural Magazine, as well as in exhibition monographs and catalogue essays for galleries in Canada and Germany. She's also the sole Canadian in the 2020 cohort of the Getty Leadership Institute, now the Museum Leadership Institute of Claremont Graduate University. This is the next-gen executive education program for the next generation of museum leaders. Welcome, Carolyn. Thanks for having me, Annetta. Oh, it's, um, it's wonderful, wonderful to have this opportunity to chat with you. Um, tell us a little bit about your career path and how it's influenced you and how you got to where you are today. And what an exciting opportunity this executive training is as well. Yes, it sure is. Uh, so, uh, you know, I don't think I ever stood a chance in terms of, you know, the choice of whether to be a cultural worker or not. Yeah. Uh, it was just faded from from childhood. Um, you know, my my dad tells the story of me taking out magazines about Diego Rivera <laughs> in grade one. Uh, so. Uh, so it, yeah, it was always, it was always going to happen. Um, yeah. It was faded in the stars, I think. Um, but, uh, in my, in my, I actually started my undergrad at McEwen University, yeah. uh, and in the, in the studio art program and something I discovered very quickly is that I loved talking to my peers about their projects yeah. uh, a lot more than I liked making things myself. <laughs> oh, right. Uh, and and that's the thing that's amazing about an undergrad and what it should do, right? Is yeah. to be this discernment period of where you get to dip your toes in and um, discover and practice what you're interested in and, yeah. and where your strengths are. Uh, various universities happened during my undergrad and I ended up at the University of Alberta finishing an art history degree yeah. with a minor in women's studies, uh, with yeah. women and gender studies now. Okay. Um, and uh, those were really important uh, connections because, you know, one of the great things about the Women and Gender Studies program at the University of Alberta is its focus on praxis. Yeah. So I was really able to connect some of the, the historical work um, that was happening in uh, the programs in my major yeah. uh, with, with thinking about what, was, what, what, what I was enacting in the world. So, um, uh, and throughout this period, I was thinking that I wanted to be a curator and I would ask anyone who would give me the time of day how to do that in the <laughs> cultural Like, how did you do that? Um, will you have coffee for me and tell me how you did that? Yeah. Um, uh, and 
uh, started really at the the Works Art and Design Festival in, right. in yeah. Edmonton. They have uh, very long-standing uh, internship programs. Yeah. So I, I I went through their curatorial department. Um, and as a festival, you know, it's a really cosmopolitan space on Churchill yeah. Square. Um, and, you know, cosmopolitan, that true sort of um, Beckian sense of the, world, the word of um, a place where you end up encountering a lot of difference, yeah. a lot of people who are and aren't like you, um, yeah. with its proximity to you know, our art sector, the courthouses, the remand center. Um, it's a place where a lot of different people congregate. Yeah. And so to encounter and work with people and art in that kind of, uh, you know, diversity doesn't seem to even completely com um, uh, make clear the amount of yeah. difference that people encountered um, in, in that space was yeah. really formative for me. Yeah. Um, so I worked there through summers through my undergrad and eventually worked there full time in their public art program. Right. Um, and uh, those are really kind of foundational things and worked on some, started working on some curatorial projects of, of my own with Exposure, which was the Queer Arts Festival yeah. um, in Edmonton and um, uh, any other kinds of opportunities I could get my, get my hands on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I eventually found that moment where, you know, grad school needed to happen yeah. to uh, unlock that next stage of my career. So um, I went to the University of British Columbia in their critical curatorial studies program, yeah. uh, uh, which was a fantastic opportunity, again, to get that theoretical rigor, but also have a thesis-based program that was, um, uh, that resulted in an exhibition and yeah. writing a catalog. Yeah. So really great. Uh, and, and right out of that program, started working at the Art Gallery of Alberta um, in their curatorial department, yeah. um, which really helped in terms of that foundation of best practice um, and getting that picture of what um, uh, the public art gallery world was yeah. really like yeah. um, and the extent of the work and the complexity of, of, of the work and had some pretty foundational moments uh, there. And so I worked there in um, uh, sort of the curator curatorial administrative side of things and then eventually yeah. um, in interpretive programming. So again, that's sort of thinking about that place of encounter between yeah. people and art objects has, I think, been that sort of constant theme throughout my career. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, I mean, we had this once in a lifetime opportunity to start a public art gallery from scratch well not from scratch with a lot of support and a lot of things already laid in the space but but to start it from from the yeah. ground up at, at yeah. McEwen um which is just it was a bit of a leap of faith as it started yep. with a nine-month contract but um how do you uh how do you not take an opportunity to start something new there is just yeah. so much potential there uh yeah and that the, the I guess almost four-year journey now of uh, being at McEwen and uh, really the gallery and I growing together professionally yeah. um, is uh, pretty incredible to have the opportunity to reflect on um, 
yeah, there's so much to talk about, I think, <laughs> what's happened over the past four years, but um, that kind of brings us up to, it's like it's a cool to It's fantastic. It, and look, it's um, wonderful knowledge to have shared. Thank you. One of the questions I get asked repeatedly is, how do I become a curator? So uh, I'm pointing people in your direction. <laughs> because <laughs> <laughs> you kind of summed it up <laughs> so it's been really great and um and I was part of the team that brought you on board at um yes. at McEwen and the John and Maggie uh, Mitchell Gallery and you know we it it was an exciting time and it was wonderful and exciting to know we could bring you on board with all your energy and your thoughts about where you wanted to take the gallery. And, and definitely I think the thing that really resonated with me in that journey was your uh, conversation around art and community and the connecting between those two. And I think there was that you've mentioned that and I think it's incredibly important. I think it really underpins what the cultural world is actually really about. Um, so taking that and expanding on that, can you elaborate a little bit on the history and the mandate of the John and Maggie Mitchell Art Gallery um, and you know, kind of what, when we put the call out, what kind of really drew you to it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, when I was at um, UBC, I had the opportunity to work at the Morris and Helen Belkin Art Gallery on campus. Yeah. Um, and it gave me an opportunity to see what a public university art gallery can do. Because yeah. in Edmonton, we didn't have one. You know, the University of Alberta has this wonderful fine arts building gallery. Um, but because of the number of students and graduate students, it's really focused on graduate exhibitions. Yeah. So um, having that up close and personal experience with a public, with a university art gallery, with a public mandate yeah. um, was really one of the things that kind of lit up my neurons when I saw that call. Um, yeah. And I, thought about the incredible possibilities of what that could mean for Edmonton and what it could mean for McEwen University. Yeah. Um, especially knowing because one of the things that's part of McEwen's mandate is being the downtown university. Yeah. Um, there's a embedded within that is uh, an understanding of the responsibility of the people around them that, yeah. um, that they have, a, that there's a responsibility to, that we have to our, to our neighbors. Yeah. So, um, so that was really my, I went in with a, I overprepared for that interview and I went in with a plan of what I thought should happen. And, uh, and you know, my recollection of an in, you, another <laughs> uniquely position to um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember the position, they really positioning the gallery as being very focused on faculty, staff and students. But when I thought about what would best serve faculty, staff, and students, it was that public mandate. Yeah, it was not absolutely. just exhibiting work internally, but also making sure that we were bringing in and um, amplifying artist voices locally, nationally, internationally to help yeah. build those relationships in that community. Um, and it's pretty wonderful to think about how I thought I was, you know, uh, having to really sell it hard and yeah. what I got was a resounding yes yeah. that sounds great um, so I think there's a there was like a, a, a really great confluence of um, uh, a, a, the, 
the buy-in in terms of the alignment of in values was really great in terms of what I could yeah. offer and what the university was looking for and what the Faculty of Fine Arts was looking for yeah. uh, there. Yeah. yeah. So can you explain to our listeners, what is a public university gallery? Like what defines that from a university gallery? You know, what, what's the difference? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in Canada, we have a, a over 40 um, university art galleries with public mandates. Um, and it, within that mandate, that means we serve the university, but we also serve the community at large. Yeah. And there's all kinds of important advantages to that. I mean, obviously, I think it's a great thing. Um, <laughs> but but um, uh, but one of the significant things to think about is, is that, um, you know, I think more and more there's an emphasis within the academy and the need to do that strong dissemination work that connects people with ideas yeah. and, in, and meets them where they are. And yeah. so I think a university art gallery can be a really important um, incubator for um, uh, alternate pedagogical strategies yeah. and dissemination strategies for ideas yeah. um, and building some of those relationships with community. Because sometimes when you walk up to a university, if you're not from that university, it can feel like a scary place where you're not yeah. supposed to be, right? And yeah. You know, there's a purpose, but the McEwen and many universities across Canada are public institutions. Yeah. And so um, the public university, public university art galleries can help serve um, helping the university have a more a semi-permeable membrane, feel like there's yeah. a place that people can come, that they're welcome to visit um, and help connect them on campus. And also thinking about that in an intergenerational way. So yeah. we've done some work partnering with our neighborhood elementary school and with the hope, again, that some of our neighbors may have never otherwise, if they don't have parents that attended university, they have not thought this is a place for them. So yeah. if they're welcomed into community, um, there's uh, great opportunities for building capacities to aspire yeah. for, for children and youth as well. Yeah. So having a, like a, almost a public gallery label, does that affect your funding sources that are available to you in the gallery when you think about exhibitions and stuff, or are you solely funded through the university? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And uh, absolutely, one of the things that a public mandate allows us uh, is that we are able to access public funding. So we have opportunities to work with um, sort of all three levels of public funding um, in different ways. Yeah. Um, so we have the Edmonton Arts Council here, the Alberta Foundation of the Arts provincially, and then the Canada, Canada Council uh, nationally. Yeah. Um, and so we're able to access funding, but there's some important things that we have to do in order to, um, into, to access that. Yeah. We have to have that public mandate. Um, and also on that national level, in terms of accessing Canada Council funding, as a university art gallery, we have to have um, a full-time permanent uh, director curator, yeah. uh, which I am. And our program hang has to be independent from the university. So, um, okay. you know, there's no senior official at the university that can come and say you ha your exhibitions have to be about X, Y, or Z. Right. So um, much like academic freedom, um, 
there's that kind of element that's baked into how we, we have to operate in order to access those funds. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. So for the listeners who aren't aware, the um, John and Maggie Mitchell Gallery is actually based in the ground floor at Allard Hall at McEwen University. So Carolyn, do you think the location of where the gallery is affects who comes through your doors? Oh, a hundred percent it does. A hundred percent it does. Um, it's, it, so being right on that, one of the interesting things in talking to um, my peers, so I'm, uh, the gallery is part of an organization called the University and College Art Gallery Association of Canada. Yeah. Um, and one of the things we hear from, I hear from peer institutions and have experienced visiting university art galleries, some of them are tucked are tucked uh, in corners and you have to know where to find them yeah, in order yeah. to find them. Yeah. Um, and so we're very fortunate in being the heart of the atrium of the main floor of a building. Yeah. And so it means that we have people who drop in intentionally, but we also have people who are just walking through the building and they see an open door uh, and a sign that says welcome and they pop their heads in. Yeah. Um, it also means that, you know, it, it really encourages walk through traffic of, of, of course, students and faculty and staff. Um, but yeah, we're very fortunate in terms of how, um, how our door, our open door addresses the space. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, one of the things that, that uh, is uh, a challenge in terms of being embedded within another building yeah. is that if you walked up to Allard Hall, from the outside, you would have no idea that there was an art gallery inside yeah, or a yeah. theater or a recital hall. And so, um, you know, one of our challenges uh, in terms of that street access is continuing to find ways that we can let people know that there are things for them yeah. um, outside. So that's an ongoing conversation yeah. that I have with my advisory council is how to uh, how to address some of those challenges. Yeah. So on that, can you give us an idea about what kind of strategies you're putting in place uh, to not only engage your audience, but also to engage artists um, to, you know, put exhibitions together and those kind of things. So, I mean, this kind of two-barrel question, but if, you, yeah, if, tell us some of your strategies. Uh, in terms of engaging audience, um, you know, I, we spend a lot of time, um, it's important not to go in assuming that because you're doing something cool that people will just come yeah. and that it's just apparent to everyone that what you're doing is interesting. Yeah. Um, so you have to meet people where they are and let them know what you're doing. So we do a lot of work that's really targeted, um, uh, based on sort of the thematics of the show. So of the exhibitions and programming that we do, you know, baked into how I think about our mandate is wanting to do work that's relevant and timely. Yeah. And so um, I think that makes a big difference in terms of outreach is, is, is organizing your programming around thinking from a place of community need yeah. um, and, and making sure you're, you're connected with, you know, even current events, right down to what's happening in your community. Um, so the work you're, you're doing is going to mean something to people yeah. and with some, with some level of urgency, in fact, and then making sure you're targeting that, 
um, more specifically. So with our current exhibition, which is called It's About Time, Dance and Black in Canada, 1900 to 1970. And now yeah. um, I worked with the students that I work with uh, quite a lot to do a ton of outreach to people we don't normally connect with yeah. at studios um, across across the, the city and the province, in addition to our usual, you know, reaching out to um, dedicated art audiences. Yeah. So with each, with, each, with each exhibition, we try to do some of that thematically targeted work for the yeah. people who wouldn't necessarily be seeking out nice. uh, a gallery. Yeah. And I think it's really important to think about think deeply about those kinds of connections. Yeah, yeah. So I think that that answers the first half of your question. It does. Now tell us about your <laughs> artists. Yeah, in terms of artist outreach, um, I guess there's a couple ways to think about them. One of them is recognizing that an important part of your audience as a gallery is artists. Yeah. And especially in a city like Edmonton, where we're not... Um, you know, there's a level of isolation that we are dealing with, right? We're the furthest, um, we're the fur the northernmost city of a million people in North America. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so we don't have that same circulation of people and ideas that you do if you're on the Eastern seaboard, for instance, or yeah. if you're in Vancouver that has this connect Cascadia connection with, you know, Seattle and, and Portland and yeah. some of those kinds of connections. Yeah. So there is a relation, there's a responsibility that cultural institutions have to their artists to help um, facilitate more of that circulation and connection. So, yeah. um, and that's something that I, you know, I, I, I really try to take to heart as much as I can. So there's a couple things that, um, that we do in particular to think about those needs. One of them was this past uh, summer, we ran a mentorship program. Um, so we had to close the gallery due to the, our global pandemic. And um, so we ran a mentorship program instead, connecting local emerging artists yeah. with an artist that with whom they shared um, something in terms of their practice or um, way of working from across Canada to help yeah. build those, facilitate the building of those relationships. They weren't going to be able to attend openings and visit other cities themselves. Yeah. So how can we support building of that network and community? So we had about 18 artists we worked with to help yeah. build that. Yeah. Usually in the summer, we run a, an artist in residency program. Yeah. So we invite yeah. artists to come for extended periods of time. So at yeah. least a month. Um, and and uh, as part of the residency, they have to run some sort of public programs. And again, as a way to encourage that relationship building yeah. um, with our local community. And those programs are small, but very heavily attended by artists. Yeah, right. Fantastic. Yeah. So you've touched on having to change your strategies a little bit due to the pandemic. Um, you, you know, you, as every curator is always planning months and months and months and months in advance. Um, what strategies are you now having to use in relation to your curatorial planning in this very unstable pandemic environment that we're in? I, I think uh, one of the things that has grounded how I'm trying to approach my work right now is recognizing that the global pandemic um, exaggerates and, and uh, magnifies inequality. Yeah. And that 
And artists are not outside of that, right? Yeah. Arts and culture is not immune from, from uh, that larger circumstance. So back in March, when I was trying to decide, you know, when we closed one day suddenly and yeah. had to just reimagine everything, is um, I wanted to make sure at the heart of how we did things, we were acknowledging the very difficult circumstances that everybody is working from and working yeah. in. Yeah. One of the things that started to happen over the summer that I noticed is this push to encourage artists to make work about the pandemic and to make and produce and have additional grants that are about producing and making. And so part of what was important to me in making the mentorship program is that we didn't expect people to make much of anything, but yeah. it was about a time to think yeah. and to talk to other people about what was happening and process. Yeah. And um, so I think changing expectations about production um, are really, really important in an ongoing way. So obviously, yeah. you know, we commissioned work for our fall exhibition and they were made over the summer, but um, I've tried to infuse my work with all people with extra grace. And I should say, I try to extend that towards myself too. Um, <laughs> and that's a kind of leadership I think is trying to model that also in how I'm treating myself. But, yeah. you know, sometimes things come in late. This afternoon we were supposed to be filming um, a dance response to our current exhibition. One of the dancers is sick. It's just yeah. going to be late. And that's fine because the most important thing is that people are cared for yeah. and supported and healthy. And so um, I, think, I think that's something I'd like to take forward into my work is that um, is, is uh, further emphasizing that strengths-based approach with everyone. Yeah. everybody's doing their best and this yeah. is really hard yeah yeah and that's um i think your um statement about you know infusing everything with extra grace is um exactly the direction we all should be heading in right now and a little bit of kindness goes an extremely long way um, a little bit of kindness one of the things that you've mentioned a number of times is the students that you've been working with um, and I'm aware that you know you have students who do practicums with you and they do volunteer roles um, can you talk about why that's important to you as a as the founder, director, curator of the gallery to involve the students in the work of the gallery. Um, and what does that look like for a student? Like what is a practicum, you know? Sure. Are they, are yeah, they so sitting there counting who comes through the door, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's a number of different ways in which we work with students at the, at the Mitchell. Um, so they, they come to us as volunteers, um, and we work with volunteers right across campus, across disciplines. Yeah. Um, uh, and then we also have practicum students. There's the internal practicum program as part of the arts and cultural management, uh, which means that artists get credit for spending 90 hours working at the gallery. Yeah. Um, and then there's also, and again, this is, this is due to our public mandate that we're able to access these things. But in the past, there were, um, currently we are able to access the Young Canada Works program, yep. which is funded through Canadian Heritage, but um, uh, administered through the Canadian Museums Association right. have to have students and recent graduates uh, come work with us in positions that they that they help support. Um, the way I approach working with students um, is 
again, really based on that kind of strengths-based approach and meeting them where they're at. Yeah. Every student I've worked with has come to me with a different skill set, background, capacity, um, gifts. And so um, I, don't, I don't approach the practicum like everyone does the same thing each semester. Um, they're responsible for X, Y, and Z each semester. Yeah. I sit down with them and I find out why they're interested in working with the gallery, what they're passionate about, um, what they want to learn, what would best serve where they want their career to go. And then we tailor projects specifically to their skills and interests and needs. Yeah. Um, And that's one of the advantages of of being quite small is that um, I, is that I'm able to work. I think it's quite a gift to get to work in this very relational way. Yeah. Um, And I, and, um, and, and really take it on from a mentorship perspective. And I yeah. think that's the thing I'm learning this year is, is figuring out how much I can infuse mentorship into every element of every program we do. Yeah. Um, because I think relationships are positive, supportive relationships are just everything. Yeah, fantastic. So let's talk about your role at the gallery. Um, So for you, what has been your main focus as a curator of a gallery? You know, I think one of the things that's really interesting about my sort of dual role as director curator is that in some ways I think my curatorial practice overtakes the way I think about the direction of the gallery in total. So by that, I mean, I feel like when I work with guest curators, I'm still approaching it as a curator, but I'm curating curators, but all of our programming um, fits this like iterative learning process. um, And that uh, it's, uh, it it all is serving this sort of generative um, creative practice if that yeah. makes sense yeah all of the work not just our exhibitions you know our, our programming is not separate from that and I think again um you know it can be it could be easy to look at the gallery and be like that's difficult because it's you only have one staff person who works for you 14 hours a week but there's yeah. also some beautiful things about how connected everything gets to be because we're small yeah um, so that's sort of my my meta answer, yeah. and and I think what I'm most interested in is having my curatorial practice driven by thinking about um, by thinking about how like what it is that galleries can do. So to give a more specific example of that is that I try to use our programming to inform the way that we operate structurally because often you have an exhibition about an idea that happens for 12 weeks or something and then it and then it ends and it's over and you're done with it but there's so much knowledge that we get from artists and learning from 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 artworks and so that needs to inform the way we have to take that on too we can't just have it facing outwards to the public and be like public this is what you need to learn we also have to apply that to ourselves so um one of the examples i like to give of this was um uh, a couple of years ago, we had an exhibition called um, uh, Mothering Spaces that was guest created yes. by Becca Taylor. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, one of the core elements of this exhibition, which was exploring ideas of Indigenous motherhood um, and featured a number of uh, Indigenous artists who were all mothers, yeah. uh, was that the absolute requirement that their children travel with them. 
and are yeah. part of all facets of their work. So the ephemerals who are all from uh, an artist collective out of Winnipeg, they're, they each have a, at the time had six-year-olds and the six-year-olds were the first one in the gallery. Yeah. We paid for them to be there. We paid for childcare yeah. um, and for, for learning from those women and learning from that indigenous knowledge um, we now make sure that childcare is an important part of every conversation we have with every artist, wow. because wow. that is a barrier to participation. So that's not just learning for the public, that's learning for the gallery and needs to now be part of our structure, needs to be part of policy. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. So upcoming plans for the gallery? Any secrets you can kind of, you know, behind the curtain? <laughs> I'm a, I'm a big dreamer, and so it's, this has been one of the challenges of the pandemic has been thinking ahead yeah. because, because of the amount of an uncertainty of like, what is it, what is it that's going to feel meaningful and yeah. most important to talk yeah. about in fall 2021? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know the answer. So I have lots of, I have lots of um, uh, exhibition ideas and programming coming down the pipe, but I, I want to make sure that I, I'm not just working in the future because it's easiest to organize, but there's a relationship yeah. that I'm continuing to have about what's meaningful and recognizing that that's a, that that's a target that's moving faster than usual. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's a bit of a non-answer Annetta, but it's a very um, curatorial answer actually. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the other thing I'll say is that um, we're deepening our inquiry into what it means with the politics of our of our location geographically. Yeah. So we're going to be uh, uh, announcing pretty soon a project that we're doing uh, that engages with the neighborhood that we're located in. Oh, that's so really one of the fun. things that's been fascinating to me as a uh, as a as a curator and thinking about the gallery in the university is thinking about how McEwen University is sitting on an old rail line. So yeah. it's like this long, narrow campus of buildings stacked next to each other, east to west. Yeah. Um, and it forms a little bit of a wall, right? Yeah. Like th that extends across. And, and so we are sort of this touch point between the neighborhood to our north and to the south. Yeah. And so what does it mean to reinscribe a rail line um, what is our responsibilities to that neighborhood that we yeah. have, you know, like the barrier to access, thinking about like how you have to move through parking lots if you're in central McDougal in order to get to McEwen. Yeah. Um, and so um, we've started some work, as I mentioned, with the local elementary school, but we're going to be ex um, creating a project that's really dedicated to um, building relationships yeah. in, our, in the neighborhood in a yeah. way that's artists and community led. Yeah. So I can't tell you what the project looks like because it's not for me to say or decide. It's going to yeah. be up to artists and community yeah. and working together. Oh, that is really exciting. And just so the listeners are aware, um, one of the things that Carolyn's referred to is the uh, linearness of the McEwen University campus and that on one side is a... Um, Quite, is more predominantly so low socioeconomic and on the other side it's a higher socioeconomic and 
McEwen literally is the wall between these two things because we have uh, on McEwen campus there is no building that is less than three stories high. So it's it's a very interesting dialogue. So this is a really exciting, you know, we look forward to seeing what's coming up. So for yourself, where do you see your career heading in the next five years? You know, that's been, that's a question I've been thinking about a lot lately. Um, and, and I think part of it is because of um, being in the, uh, the next gen program uh, at the yeah. Museum Leadership Institute, I've had these opportunities. I work with a mentor too. Um, and we have these conversations and I've had some experiences this year that have, you know, these ideas you have about your trajectory once you start living yeah. out your career, they change. Yeah, um, and that's a normal and healthy thing. And so um, I feel like I'm in a discernment period of trying to figure out um, what it is that I want, because I've had this beautiful opportunity to have such um, engaging work and to be empowered to grow within my position yeah. um, at, at the Mitchell um, that, yeah, I'm trying to decide what that's what that's going to look like. And I think part of that too is in this sort of dual holistic role of yeah. doing all the jobs basically at the yeah. gallery of at some point it's going to have to focus a little bit more again. Yes. Um, and so what, which of those directions um, yeah. uh, do I want to hone in on in terms of expertise? Cause there's yeah. a lot of opportunities to grow in terms of, you know, but the potential of curatorial curatorial studies yeah. um, and, and uh, supporting uh, beefing up sort of the, the educator role um, yeah. the, uh, uh, and uh, uh, focusing on curation. I've really let writing fall to the wayside yeah. and, so, and, I'm, and I'm missing that. So I, I think part of what uh, the, the MLI program is doing for me is giving me a chance to um, step back from where I thought I wanted to go yeah. to reevaluate and think critically about what it is that in actuality now based yeah. on how I've grown, I, yeah. I, I, what I want to need. Yeah. Well, that's really exciting. Thank you for um, this wonderful opportunity to chat with you. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add to our conversation today before we, we finish? Oh, well, Ananda, thank you so much for asking. I'm, I'm really appreciative that, uh, that you think our, my, the work that we're doing at the gallery is, is, is worth this conversation. And, um, uh, and it's always great to have an opportunity to, to reflect on what it is you're doing. Often yeah. reflection is the thing that gets uh, put to the wayside. So, yeah, um, yeah I appreciate the opportunity. Well, Carolyn, again, it's been wonderful chatting with you and I'm sure that you've given everybody a lot to think about and, you know, you have done um, an exceptional job and for me it's been an absolute privilege watching the journey over the last four years and so thank you for taking the time today to chat with us um, and uh, I look forward to seeing you on campus when we get to get back in the building. Yes, yes, I look forward to that too. Thanks, Anetta. Okay.
Katrina, this interview with Carolyn Jarvis was just absolutely amazing. I have um, known Carolyn for a wee while, but I think one of the things that really amazes me about what Carolyn does in her work is her awareness of her audience. And, you know, I don't think there's very many of us who have jobs where if you exit one door, you have one demographic of audience. If you exit a door on the opposite side of the building, you have another demographic. And then you have a whole different demographic that's actually inside your building. And she's got to figure out how to reach out to all of them and understand them all. And I just think, and doing that in a gallery frame as well, I think is extraordinary. It really is, Annetta, and that was on my mind, too, as I, I listened to this interview, uh, the piece about location, because, of course, I'm super familiar with this gallery and where it sits uh, in terms of the landscape at McEwen. Um, but thinking about the, the marketing challenge of being embedded within another building and having to, you know, meet these specific marketing communications needs and strategies to reach different audiences based on, as you say, all of these different audiences being quite different depending on which door you exit. I think that's a tremendous challenge. And it was really interesting to hear her talk about how she addresses that in the course of her work. Yeah, definitely. And I think one of the things that is, has been really interesting from my perspective is that this is actually a public gallery that sits inside a university. Um, and a lot of university galleries are just university galleries. And so Carolyn is not only navigating all her audiences that wrap around her building and are in her building, but is also in a Canadian-wide classification of galleries that she's kind of competing with and I think she is a wonderful, wonderful steward uh, of our gallery and an amazing curator and I think it really comes out in her interview. Incredible talent, really, incredible talent. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I also really appreciate how she talked about curating in a pandemic and the unique challenges uh, around that and how it magnifies inequality and arts and culture kind of lives within these circumstances. And um, she talked about having this extra amount of grace and kind of honoring the fact that uh, we're in some pretty extraordinary times. And so she took this really human approach. It was really lovely um, hearing that. And she also talked about the benefits of being a smaller gallery. And sometimes we think, oh, we must have all the resources in order to do uh, wonderful things, but sometimes being smaller can give you some flexibility and have um, you have a more nimble approach to things. And so I, I was just fascinated by her story and just learning more about the work that she's doing. This show was created by executive producer and host Annetta Latham, co-host Katrina Ingram and technical producer Paul Johnson. Research assistants involved were Caitlin McKinnon and McEwen Bachelor of Music students. Theme music by Emily Darfour and cover by Constanza Patcher. Special thanks to the Rosé Foundation for their support and to our guests. Artful Conversations is a production of McEwen University. All rights reserved. Mm-hmm.